Welcome back to another episode of the Bringer Show Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Heppard, and uh, it's been a hell of a week, hasn't it? The world of comedy. I mean, let's just get right into it. We uh, we lost a good one. Norm MacDonald, you know, of uh, SNL fame and all kinds of other work. Uh, he died. This is Friday. I think we found out on Tuesday. Um, he was, he was 62, but I think the wildest thing about this whole situation is apparently he, uh, it was cancer. The man had cancer for the last 10 years. And I think maybe his agent was the only one who knew about it. And I find that shit just so goddamn strong and admirable. The idea that this man, who was facing a terminal illness, something plenty of other people would reach out and and, and, and make public. Norm didn't do that. Because it was more important to Norm that people saw him as a guy who just wanted to be funny, who loved comedy, and was here to make people laugh and feel good and smile, as opposed to have us all look at him like some sort of legend who was sick. Which, you know, when I heard that part, it just, it just, he was obviously a great man. You know, professionally, comedically, but I don't think I know any kind of anybody with that kind of courage. Um, so we didn't just lose a comedian. We didn't even just lose a celebrity. We lost. We lost the best among us this week, people, and uh, clearly, my heart goes out to uh, all of his friends and family and then all of you guys who were who are these huge fans um it's rough and then Jesus Christ Kate Quigley apparently OD'd on uh some fentanyl laced cocaine I think that was last week I'm recording this on the Friday before the episode comes out um she's fine but unfortunately um, two other comics, Fuquan Johnson and Enrico Colangelli, um, they didn't make it. They died. Um, there was another woman, Natalie Williamson, who also died. Um, she wasn't a comic, though. Um, but it's still sad. You know? And obviously, you know, shout-outs to their family and and friends. It's just tragic 
tragic week for uh, fans of comedy. But is this not why we are comedy fans in the first place? So when shit like this happens, when some dark, depressing shit like this happens, we have somewhere to turn to brighten our days just a little bit. Isn't that why we all... Oh, why we all love this art form. That's why I love this art form. And that's why I can't wait to highlight the comedy stylings of Alonzo Bowden with you this week. But first, you already know what it is. We got to handle our business. You want to get a hold of me? Huh? You want to holler at your boy? You catch me on the talk. Bring a show pod. You catch me on the ground. Bring a show pod. You can tweet your twits. At me on Twitter at Bring a Show Pod. And of course, your handwritten emails will be read and received at Bring a Show Pod at gmail.com. Now, one more time, rest in peace, Fuquan Johnson, Enrico Colangelli, Natalie Williamson, and of course, the great Norm McDonald. You will all be missed. However, let us not despair on this day. No. Instead, let us honor these people with some damn good comedy from a damn good comic. We got Alonzo Bowden coming up this week. If you haven't heard from him, if you haven't heard of him, I'd imagine he hasn't called you. But if you haven't heard of this guy, I think you're in for a treat. I certainly am in need for a treat i don't know where i'm going with it let's just okay off the jump i want to take some time to give myself some credit i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna pat myself on the back right now and i'm gonna tell you why because this is the seventh episode of the Bring a Show Comedy Podcast, and I haven't brought up politics. Not even once. I've never disclosed my political preferences or ideologies. I've never bashed any current or former presidents. And I've never trotted out the old, who's funnier, liberals or conservative comics question. Even though we already know the answer. Clearly. Anyway, this is huge for me, given the desire to wax political runs through my veins. I like to say newsprint got into my blood from delivering newspapers when I was 14. I was one of the few nerds in high school who volunteered to take our politics class, and I wasn't in trouble. I was a communications major at Broome Community College before transferring to SUNY Cortland, where I worked my way up as editor-in-chief for the school newspaper, The Dragon Chronicle. Thank you. Thank you. I also majored in journalism and minored in political science, and when I was a reporter for a small-town newspaper in Cortland, I would tell my wife I'm going to see my mistress, which meant I was going to work. I even tried to make the news funny in college. Inspired by Jon Stewart and The Daily Show, I was part of a satirical news show my friends and I put on the internet called The Next Generation News Junkies. Clearly it never took off and it's like 10 years old at this point, but I'm still going to hawk that shit because it's good, damn it, and I stand by all that work we did. So you should definitely check out NGNJ on YouTube when you get the chance. Also, quick shout out to my former colleagues and some of my bestest friends, Kara, Bryant, Johnny Ammo, y'all the real MVPs. Now, as you can tell, I love the news and politics and all that stuff like that there. And as a fan of comedy, and in me trying my hand at political satire, 
I learned two things about mixing news and comedy we all eventually figure out. First, incorporating humor into the news isn't as easy as people like Jon Stewart, Colin Quinn, or Maz Jabrani make it look. I mean, you got to do research, right? You got to make obscure and boring references, funny and relatable. You got to make fun of people without getting sued. It's hard. But secondly, and probably more obvious, is the fact that the best way to walk a room is by getting on stage and making fun of their politics. It's true, there's douchebags, hecklers, and that person with bitch face at almost every show. And I'm not saying politics and stand-up is guaranteed to turn people against you. All I'm saying is that if you built a reputation as a stand-up who goes anywhere near politics, the funny better be coming. Because I'd imagine the only thing worse than bombing is bombing and then having half the crowd want to kick your ass on your way out the venue. But it can be done. And L.A. comic Alonzo Bowden has figured out how to do it both consistently and masterfully. That's not all that surprising given the man's been doing stand-up since 1993, but how he found his way to stand-up just might be. Bowden grew up in St. Albans, Queens, where he went to Aviation High School. I didn't even know that was a thing before graduating and moving out to Burbank, California to work for Lockheed as an airplane mechanic. After 10 years of just being plain funny as he taught people how to fix airplanes, he decided to pursue stand-up after taking a comedy class. While coming up, Bowden would work the door at the Laugh Factory in L.A., watching killers like Dom Herrera, George Lopez, Damon Wayans every night and learning the craft from the pros while performing small sets around the city. Today, after doing stand-up for damn near 30 years, his professional resume is kinda ridiculous. Currently, by my count, Bowden has a total of seven albums and stand-up specials. His 2001's Seemed Like a Good Idea at the Time, 2005's Tall, Dark, and Funny, 2011's Who's Paying Attention, 2013's He Had Me at Black, 2016's Historically Incorrect, a collection of bits from cruise gigs he released in 2018 called Man Overboard, and lastly, his most recent special, Heavy Lightweight, which came out in 2019. In addition to that, Alonzo Bowden has remained a fixture in the comedy community with 15 years hosting shows at comedy festivals like Just for Laughs, New Faces. He's also managed to fit in, no particular order, judging on Last Comic Standing, hosting a live travel version of the game show Family Feud, doing voiceover work for the mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like the OG first-generation Power Rangers with Trini and Kim. Know what I'm talking about? And regularly sitting on the panel of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, a quiz show on NPR, which, coincidentally, I used to listen to a lot while driving around upstate New York as a reporter years ago. As a comic, I think what makes Alonzo Bowden a killer is that, yeah, he's a black man, but he's not a, quote, black comic he's not a quote alt comic but he frequently takes the road less traveled with his material right he's not a traditionally quote clean comic he'll cuss a little bit but folks who like their humor a little less blue will still have a great time at his show without any offense and in my opinion that's because alonzo doesn't have to pander or need a dark through line in his act he can just be funny and while I don't know what's going on in his heart or in his personal life, it seems like Bowden can do this because he's dealt with anything that could have stopped him from being funny and having a long stand-up career way before he started telling jokes into a microphone. Let's listen to him talk to Syracuse's own Jessamay Peluso 
on her podcast, Sharp Tongue, back in 2019, about what it was specifically he had to overcome and how it ultimately pointed him in the direction of stand-up comedy. Yeah, those have those been your vices your whole life? Have you had any other no, vices? No, um, no. I well, yeah, I was a druggie, you know, a and, drug addict. Yeah. What was yeah. your What was your poison? Cocaine. You know, I was an '80s cokehead, and but uh, that was I feel like that was the culture, and that was the time. Yeah, but I took it to the extreme. I was an '80s crackhead, so <laughs> that 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 was that wasn't social. That wasn't social. Not a lot of what a Well, you know, this this is the thing because. <laughs> But I told I I had five years of sobriety when I started doing comedy, so I've never done comedy loaded. It's wow. always, but but that was my thing in the '80s. You know, I, it started out yeah, fun cocaine in the '80s, and I said, well, let me take this to the extreme. <laughs> um, How, but what what got you sober? What was a sobering moment for you? Uh, jail. <laughs> yeah, jail. Jail will put everything in perspective. <laughs> One oh, yeah. time. Yeah, multiple. it was no. It was the one night. It was that thing. You know what happened? I um I got busted, and I'd never been busted, and the one night in jail by myself, where you're like, this isn't where I'm meant to be. Yeah. You know, this isn't this. It was like I, you know, I had education. I had been worth working in aerospace at the time, and you know, blah blah blah, and you know, my family's solid. And it was one of those like. This ain't supposed to how this isn't this is not the road. how it's supposed to end. But recovery also led to comedy because I got sober at a place called Studio Twelve, right? So the stars went to Betty Ford. Yeah. The crew went to Studio Twelve. <laughs> it sounds like a place where a crew goes. Yeah. So I was with I was with you know grips and electricians and makeup artists and camera people and so but it was and I'd never been around the entertainment business and in recovery I was around entertainment. And they they were creative, and they loved what they did. And like I come from this blue collar, right. go to school, get a job background. So this world was I had never imagined this world. And they were like, yeah, why not? You could do it. And my sense of humor changed because it went from like I, I described it as a it was a tool of separation. I could always make people laugh, but it was like I'm gonna belittle this person. I'm gonna do whatever I'm gonna push you away using yep. humor or hide completely behind Build the humor, and then they 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 got me laughing at myself, <laughs> and then then I found I could again I could always make people laugh right, so I started teaching in aerospace, and I was super comfortable in front of the room. I wasn't nervous at all, and you put those two together, and you're like I'm gonna try comedy. As far as stand-up goes, Bowden specializes in what some call topical humor, meaning the jokes he tells usually have to do with current events. So expect Bowden to incorporate a bunch of news, politics, and pop culture into his act. Today, the knowledge and confidence Bowden accumulated over the years permeates his act. But as you can imagine, it wasn't always that way. Here's Bowden talking to comic Adam Ray on his podcast, About Last Night, in March of 2020, about how he not only never planned on doing topical comedy, but how, in a way, it was working hard at stand-up and grinding every week that ultimately coaxed it out of him. Let's take a listen. But uh, you, you've always been this way before I even got to know you um, through, uh, through, through Brad, and it was like such a geek-out moment because, like, you know, all you want to do is get to a point where you feel like you have a point of view that is like fresh and where you're looking through a, a set of goggles that is hopefully, um, you know, always 
looking at things a little differently and and whether you're the most prolific person you're like your take on things is always stuff like you said with Chappelle that people go oh I didn't think of that but I agree with that or I I can get on board with that and you've always been that way and I'm like you strike me as someone that's just like from the get-go been like yeah I know who Alonzo Bowden is so it's easy to talk about it um I don't know that I knew who I was but I had an opinion okay you know I always had an opinion and what happened was the Topical stuff and all the news stuff came mainly as a result of Last Comic, right? Because when I went in the Last Comic, I did more personal stuff. But for one thing, you had to just come up with tons of material. So I just started doing more on my topical and this and that. And then, you know, I just find the stuff outside of me funnier than my life, right? You know, so so, I mean, this that was a time when we were dealing with Bush and and the Iraq war and Paris Hilton and just all kind of that was it was just a ton it was a ton of material Schwarzenegger was governor and so so you know so it was just like oh man I just yeah let me just start talking you know but even though comics like Bowden have figured out how to make some weighty subjects funny on stage people still end up feeling a certain kind of way once his barbs and jabs come a bit too close to an idea they hold dear and as you know off the stage People aren't even willing to talk to other people they disagree with nowadays. And when they do, it feels like that shit almost inevitably gets personal and ugly. Now, you might have noticed I try to play clips of comics talking to other comics whenever I can on this show, the Bringer Show comedy podcast. But I couldn't pass up an opportunity to play this clip of Alonzo Bowden on the Michael Steele podcast recorded last month in August. Now... For those of you who don't follow news and politics closely, Steele is the former lieutenant governor of Maryland. He's the former chairman of the Republican National Committee. And he's on cable news all the time. I guess when I say I'm going hard on the politics this episode, I'm not playing. So I have a progressive comic and a conservative news pundit talking about pissing off liberals and conservatives with stand-up comedy. Yeah, yeah, I don't got an introduction for that. I'm just going to play the clip. I remember back in the uh, in the late 80s when comedians turned the corner and finally started talking about AIDS uh, and, 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 and trying to find that, that joke, if you will, that sort of helped people, to your point, about, you know, taking a breath from the very seriousness of. So how do you do that? What is that process like for you? And then the second part is how do you um, avoid, maybe you don't avoid, but how do you then deal with the audience or the audience member that is just not responding to it, is just got that political, politically correct uh, stick up their ass and they're just you know, everything you're saying, that's not funny because you're you're not being sensitive to LGBTQ or et cetera, et cetera. Well, it, and there are two parts to that. So when it comes to how do you take a sensitive issue and make it funny, um, we poke the balloon. We, 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 we push the, the line to, to things people know about. And, and sometimes you make it personal, like AIDS, was and that was early in my career at that era but the thing about it was when it shifted from the gay community to everyone mm-hmm. right when when we learned how it was transmitted and then like so now you know you're afraid you're afraid that a gay person might breathe on you right 
we're like, well, guess what? They already have because they're everywhere. They're right. everywhere. You right. know, and, right, and, and, right, right. <laughs> you just you 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 hit it. I think what we do is you hit it, but you don't hit it. You don't make it personal. Like right now, right. my thing is the people who refuse the vaccine and get sick. It's like, okay, well, you volunteered. I, I don't have time for you, but but I'm not going to make it personal because I know it's personal to the members of a family right. of one person who that happened to. But in general, it's like, okay, we've got a worldwide deadly pandemic and we have a vaccine for it. And you're like, oh, no, I don't want the vaccine because Bill Gates is tracking me. Bill Gates doesn't care about you. At no <laughs> point is Bill Gates sitting in his living room saying, Man, I wonder where Keith is today. <laughs> I gotta keep track of no. Anybody, no, anybody find Keith? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's how you do it, you know. And then the up to the other point. Listen, I can't save all the trees. All right. If you're worried about saving the trees, I can't help you. You know, we Michael, Michael, a year and a half ago, we were worried about the turtles. We, that's true. Well, that's true. Have you heard about the turtles late? Suddenly the turtles don't really matter, do they? That's right. Oh, yeah. We got something bigger than the turtles going on. We got trees. And I promise you, if the cure for COVID lied in a plastic straw, we'd run out of turtles. They're just, well, listen, we had turtles, but, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you gonna, we still got snails. We got shells. We, we got, got shells. Turtles, just a different just kind of shell. <laughs> so you, there's a certain group. There are certain groups that are not going to laugh. Right. And they, they're at the extreme. So if you have the extreme, angry, right-wing white guy with his gun marching to the Capitol, he got no sense of humor. He's not going to laugh. And the last thing he understands is that he's the actual joke. Right. That's and, it. And if you have the extreme, super liberal, I care about everything left-wing person who's like, ooh, don't step on the grass because, you know, the grass has feelings and the grass is screaming, I can't make you laugh. If, if you're worried about bending the grass, I can't make you laugh. It's so Comedically, Alonzo Bowden reminds me of one of those specialists, like a mob boss or someone in the Yakuza would call in for a job. The kind of guy who wears sunglasses and leather gloves to do a hit. He's the technician. His weapon of choice? Politics something few others can wield effectively, and he's got decades of experience with it. He's studied his craft, and he's perfected his technique. Bowden strikes quick, but the true stealth is in his joke writing, and how he can get around opinions or preconceived notions one might have coming into a show. He can get audiences to laugh at some shit they might have felt very different about ten minutes ago. He cuts deep and close to the heart, but he doesn't nick a vessel leaving crowds alive just long enough so he can hold a mirror up in front of them as they slowly laugh themselves to death. When done correctly, stand-up has the potential to inspire thoughts and conversations, important conversations, about wild stuff and all this shit we gotta deal with in life. But I think some people forget that just because stand-up can be used this way, its primary purpose, the whole reason it exists at all, is to entertain and to make people laugh. And Alonzo Bowden's comedy reminds us all that just because there's a lot of shit that needs fixing in this world, it doesn't mean we can't laugh at the absurdity of all of it, just as long as we're working towards doing better. So I thought it would be silly to dredge up some of Alonzo's classic work when I've spent 
a majority of this episode talking about how current and topical he is, right? So it only makes sense that I play the first few minutes from his last special, Heavy Lightweight. Again, this has been out since 2019, but that's fucking two years ago. We just had a pandemic, right? So, like, we lost a year anyway. So it still holds up. It's still good. So you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, your headliner this evening. Very funny comic from Los Angeles, California, by the way, of St. Albans, Queens, New York City. Give it up for Alonzo Bowden. it up because you know it's a comedy show if i do too much heavy stuff you guys get all mad right and then you leave all crazy so what i like to do i give you some heavy stuff then then i give you something light give you something lightweight and you just ah. then i'm gonna hit you with the heavy stuff make sure you're paying attention all right so. i got a new iphone got a new iphone cost somewhere between 1200 and fifteen thousand dollars i uh <laughs> I don't know how much it costs because Siri bought it. <laughs> Siri has reached the point she doesn't need me anymore. Siri, Siri has my identification information, my passwords, my credit cards. She don't need me, right? I was just looking at the phone and I'm online checking it out and Siri was like, oh, do you want a new iPhone? And I was like, well, you know, I'm not sure. I'm still checking it out. She said, no, you need a new iPhone because your phone is going to stop working now. And phone just went to shit, just, just done. You know, and, and then, then you have the Samsung people like, why don't you get a Samsung phone? Can't get a Samsung phone, because I have all the i stuff. I got the iMac and the iPad and the iD. You can't just bring home a Samsung. Siri ain't putting up with that. I found that out. I got the Alexa, I got the Amazon Alexa. So now I have Alexa in my kitchen and Siri on my phone. Can't have two women living in the same house. Right? Siri's not happy at all. Suddenly this new young woman has moved in, seems to know everything. Right? Like, hey, Siri, what's the weather going to be like? Why don't you ask that bitch? I didn't know it was going to be a problem, Siri. Well, you should have asked me before you brought that bitch home. Now she gets mad at me. She'll just buy things at random. I came home one day, just a crate of tampons on the front door. Like, Siri, this ain't funny. Right? And Alexa don't make it any better. She just sit up there talking smack like, I'm young, I look good. I can buy you anything you want. It's like, would you stop it? Siri's right here. Just, just wait till she powers down. Ah, I don't know. Donald Trump. Oh, just got heavy again. Don't want to talk about Trump. Have to. Don't want to. Have to. It's a rule. Whenever three or more people gather in a room, you must discuss Donald Trump. Right? Now, don't worry. I'm not going to do a whole bunch of Trump jokes because I can't actually be funnier than Donald Trump is every day. You know what I'm saying? Game recognizes game. I'm writing a joke, he's telling the truth, and I'm like, man, you're good. You, yeah, you win again. At the midterm elections, 
Donald Trump said there was voter fraud. He said there were a bunch of people that voted multiple times by changing clothes. <laughs> yeah, that was the strategy, not fake ID or any of that. Just changing, as if I went in the morning and said, hi, I'm Alonzo Bowden, I'm here to vote. And they were like, yeah, and I signed the little thing. And they said, go ahead, and I go vote, right? Then I come back two hours later, I'm like, hi, I'm Alonzo Bowden, I'm here to vote. <laughs> and they're like, you already voted. I said, no, 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 sir. That Alonzo Bowden was wearing a black shirt. <laughs> as you notice, I am wearing a gray shirt. <laughs> and as if they were so dumb, they were like, you're right. <laughs> right this way. And I'm like, now, a few hours from now, you may see another Alonzo Bowden, but he'll be wearing a plaid shirt. <laughs> I can't out-Trump Trump. I will be writing a joke, and he'll just win. I, I was writing, I was doing my job, my work, writing jokes. I'm writing some kind of White House Stormy Daniels porn star joke, and I always have the news on in the background, right? And I'm writing, and all I hear is Space Force. <laughs> Space Force. We fighting shit from outer space? <laughs> space Force, like who let him watch Star Wars unsupervised? <laughs> and whenever he goes on one of those tangents, right? My favorite thing, I don't even watch him during the speech. I like to watch the grown-ups behind him, <laughs> right? Because they have to keep a straight face. So he's talking about Space Force, but behind him, you have the leaders of the Army, the Navy, Marines, the Air Force, and they're, sta they're standing at attention like, Space Force, what the fuck? Are you kidding, Space Force? Right, they're looking at the Air Force guy like, good luck. Have fun in outer space. We're only going to the border. Oh. During the midterms, Barack Obama came back out. He was giving speeches. It was so nice to hear a president talk. You know what I mean? He was, he was just using big words and coherent sentences that led to thoughts. And I was like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. Just keep going. Just, I just like to listen. And when Barack Obama first burst into the news, before he was even president, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's so articulate. He's so articulate. And I, and I don't really get mad because I don't think a lot of people realize this, but that's a bit of an insult in the black community, right? Like, like we've been speaking English for a long time, <laughs> you know? And in particular, he graduated from Harvard University, so I don't think it's that much of a shock that he can speak English. <laughs> but then I heard Donald Trump giving a speech. Right? And he was attacked by the word anonymous. <laughs> it, it just popped up on the teleprompter with no warning at all. And he was just like, the, the, anonym, the animus, the anonymous, the, mm, the an right? And then his followers just started yelling, fake word, fake word. <laughs> Trump followers, man, they're angry people. They're just mad, right? And, and, and I don't respect it, and here's why. Because they like to bully people, right? For example, they have this thing about speak English. You got to speak English. And now they're just running up on people in public, telling them to speak English. But they run up on women, see? And, and I, don't, I don't respect that. Like in New York, there were four Puerto Rican women, 
speaking Spanish, and this white guy runs up, like, you better speak English. And I was like, all right, all right, first of all, these women are bilingual. That makes them one language smarter than you, <laughs> right? I have the utmost respect for people who are bilingual because not only do they speak two languages, they can actually think in another language. Like in the midst of a thought or a sentence, they can switch languages. That amazing. Like I speak English and bullshit, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I'll be in the middle of a sentence, I'll be like, I better start bullshitting, I'm in trouble. You know? <laughs> I can do that, but I don't have two languages. Right? And they were women. You're yelling at women. I want to see you want you want respect. Run up on a group of Puerto Rican men and tell them they better speak English. I don't even know which language they say it in, but they'd be like, man, we didn't even plan on whipping your ass. <laughs> now we gotta whip your ass, finish the pizza, and get back to work on time. <laughs> the other reason I don't respect the speak English thing, because and I travel, I, I'm speaking from experience. All across America, every major city in the United States has a Chinatown, right? And when you go to Chinatown, everything's written in Chinese, people are speaking Chinese, and nobody yelling at them to speak English, right? Because you start some shit in Chinatown, your ass will disappear. <laughs> right? They don't mess around. Chinatown is a closed community. They ain't putting a, like, when we go to Chinatown, right, we're allowed to go to the restaurants, right, and you're on the major street, but they always have that little back alley, right? And you start looking down, they're like, no, 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 not for you. No, 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 not for you, right? But you go down there talking shit, they're like, oh, right this way. No, you, you come with me, right this way, right? Next thing, you back there where they keep the gremlins and shit, man. What happened to Joe? Oh, he's in Chinatown talking shit. We... Yoga pants. See, we just lightened it up a little bit. Men are clapping because they know. I love yoga pants. I don't know who invented yoga pants, and I don't know the criteria for a Nobel Prize. <laughs> but I just think at some point, the two should come together, you know what I mean? I'm saying yoga pants might be the greatest invention I've seen in my lifetime, and I saw a man land on the moon. They, this is why yoga pants are great, because everybody loves them. Everybody loves them. Right? Every woman I know wears yoga pants. Oh, I love yoga pants. They're so comfortable, right? And men love yoga pants, because, well, they're yoga pants. What do you know? I don't think I have to explain. And we all say the same thing. A woman will put on yoga pants, she's like, my ass looks fantastic, right? And men, we look at yoga pants, we're like, your ass looks fantastic. <laughs> I love yoga. You wearing yoga pants? I'm going to follow you around. <laughs> That's right. And don't get mad at me, because you ain't going to yoga class. <laughs> right? You wearing yoga pants in the grocery store, guess what? You need something in aisle three, I need something in aisle three. <laughs> That's right. You, me, and Lululemon. Let's go see what's in aisle three. of our virtual comedy club. Now, if you want to see Alonzo, you only have a few opportunities and very limited places. He will be, as of this recording, oh shit. <laughs> well, that means today, <laughs> September 21st, 
through September 25th, he will be at the American Motorcycle Rally in Lake George, New York. If that confuses you, I forgot to mention that Alonzo is a motorcycle enthusiast. This guy is fucking international man of history over here. So he totally digs bikes. He rides them. He's serious about it. He knows what he's talking about. That's probably why he's there. It's a working vacation. <laughs> then uh, October 9th, uh, he'll be at the Cola Lounge in Farmington Hills, Michigan, before heading over to the Flapperters, Flapperters, Flappers Comedy Club uh, in Burbank, California, October 22nd and 23rd. And that's it. That does it for me. This has been another fun, I think, episode of the Brigham Show Comedy Podcast. Don't forget to hit me up, like, subscribe, comment, do all that stuff. And listen, I know it's taken me a while to fucking get active on some things, but I'm just one man. I'm one old 36-year-old dude. I don't like social media. I'm working on it. I'm trying. Just keep supporting me. Keep loving me. Don't stop loving me. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Bringer Show Comedy Podcast. I've been your host, Tyrone Heppard. Y'all been great. Thanks for listening.